You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Hey people, how are you doing? Welcome. It's that time again, 8 o'clock on a Tuesday, 8 o'clock um, UK time, in case you're joining us from another part of this wonderful world. Welcome to episode 85 of the Sports Therapy Association video cast and podcast. Why is it a video cast? Because it's recorded live and you can join in uh, where it's all on video with our wonderful guests. Um, and you can do that by coming to the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page, if you like, if, you, if you're on Facebook. Or if you don't want to do it via Facebook, then you can join us uh, via our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up Sports Therapy Association. Um, and we love having you live. If you can, you get a chance to talk to the guests directly. You get a chance to network with the other people. You haven't got to be a, a Sports Therapy Association member. But if you are a soft tissue therapist and you're looking for a choice when it comes to professional uh, representation and associations to give you advice, then obviously I'm biased, but Sports Therapy Association is the way to go. Um, if you like, you can just do it in your own time, as is very popular these days, and just wait until normally two days or so. I upload it as a podcast. Not everyone knows what a podcast is. I keep bumping into people who don't know, which is crazy for me, but it just reminds me I'm in my own little bubble. So podcast, basically, if you listen to this on YouTube, it's just you download an app onto your phone, iPhone or Android, and it's a podcast app, and then you can search for these hour or half hour recordings, um, and you can listen to it in your own time. Maybe when you're exercising, maybe when you're driving, maybe going to sleep, whatever works for you. Um, and it's a great way to get free CPD, free continued professional development. Um, so that's always an option. If you do listen to the podcast um, from Apple Podcasts or Spotify even, then please, please, please try and do us a favor and actually click that rating button, click that like button, um, it just makes a massive difference in us appearing in search results. So it'd be really um, appreciated from our end um, if you could do that. And it helps to just spread the great messages which come through our guests to a larger audience. So we'd appreciate that. Um, if you're thinking of leaving less than two stars, then ignore that message and just kind of move on. But if it's five or so, then that's great. Um, you can also catch up with all of our stuff, plus show notes and details and links on the Sports Therapy Association webpage, which is thesta.co.uk. So it's T-H-E-S-T-A.co.uk. And that's where you go, particularly if you want to um, see the show notes, see a little bit about our guests, uh, look at web uh, links of interest and that sort of stuff. Make sense? Of course it is. So we're at the end stage now of January, and it's been a very exciting month looking at focusing on CrossFit. Remember, this is our new idea of where we take a topic um, and we keep that topic live for a whole month rather than dipping from one thing to another. And it's been a great month. It's been really educational for me and it's not over yet. But so far, we have had the pleasure of spending an hour with Robert Crowley, um, Jacked Cairo on Instagram. It's probably my favorite handle of all time. Um, and he is. Um, and uh, and Sonia Fierro um, also, um, they opened up the show with a look, a look at the history of CrossFit, how it's changed. We looked at some of the myths and misconceptions, which was a brilliant eye opener for me because I grew up with CrossFit in the 2000s when it was very much beautiful Venice Beach bodies doing crazy things because they could um, and then other people trying to do it and basically putting bread and butter on the table for me, which was kind of nice at the time, but I would never recommend CrossFit. It's all changed now. And that was continued as a theme when we brought in Professor Mark Wilson um, and Natalie Granger and Anna Maria Mazzieri. And then in that one, we all talked about injuries for CrossFit, 
some of the most common injuries um, and we talked about ways of communicating with athletes who do CrossFit. Professor Mark Wilson, massive um, research uh, list to his credit, I think 140 or so published papers, um, on particularly talking about the psychological aspect of working with people in pain. And that's a big thing with CrossFit. It's a bit like runners. I mean, there is that, take that away from them and they've got nothing. Um, so really good episode to listen to when you're talking about the subjective um, assessment of people coming to you, if you know they're from a CrossFit background, so check that out. Um, Sonia was back uh, last week on the Tuesday uh, to talk all about one of her passions, which is flexibility and mobility. A good, a really good eye opener, again, not just for if you're working with CrossFitters, but working with any patient. And um, what is this stretching? What's the difference between stretching and flexibility and mobility and how much can you achieve it? And do you need to achieve it? Are you checking whether the person in front of you needs that range or do they not really need it? So why are you trying to chase it? And that sort of thing, it's relationship with pain. So that was amazing as well. It's working so well, this concentration on the month. When I think about what we've achieved in three weeks in terms of information, um, it's been amazing. Doesn't stop there. We thought we'd finish, you know, with a nice easy chat with, with, with probably one of the most famous and decorated um, weightlifters um, that Great Britain has produced. I say one of just to make sure her head doesn't swell up too big. But um, yeah, we're going to be chatting. I'm very thrilled to bring her up very soon. We're going to be chatting um, with uh, Michaela Brees, MBE. That's how we roll here on the STA. Um, who, if you don't know about Michaela, then I've put a list um, in the in the show description. But basically, um, double Olympian um, was at Athens 2004, Beijing 2008. Six Commonwealth medals, Commonwealth Games champion. Still a record holder, as far as I know, at this time of speaking, unless someone's kind of stepped past that. I'm really interested in hearing how. That's amazing that they're still standing. Um, and of course, an MBE in 2011 for services to weightlifting. So this episode is going to be all about weightlifting as part of CrossFit, okay? which I'm really interested. I've kind of been relaxing my questions a little bit with people from CrossFit, not challenging it too much. But there's some questions which I'm going to put to Makai, which I'm really interested in knowing as somebody who lives, breathes, has won, excelled in the world of weightlifting, Olympic lifts and stuff. It's going to be really interesting. How does that fit into um, the ideas behind CrossFit? Um, as always, if you have joined us live, then you can ask questions to our guests. And when you do, I can bring it up like Catherine Reimer is in the house. Hey, Catherine, how are you doing? And your question will come up on the screen. This is the nice thing about joining live or watching the video. Fiona Notman is in the house as well. Fiona, I don't think we've met. Hi, Fiona. It's always nice to see. I probably have. I've just really dug a hole for myself. Hi, Fiona. Nice to see you again. I'll edit it according to whether I know you or not um, for the podcast version. So, yeah, if you do come in and don't be afraid to ask questions, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook. Um, you're welcome to, and we encourage you to talk to each other. Um, and I will direct questions to the guest um, if they don't see it in the meantime. So do keep that going. This is all for you guys. So keep the questions coming in. Um, hey, Fiona. Right. OK, I think that's enough of the housekeeping. Um, I will get rid of that. and I will bring up, without any further ado, um, Michaela Breeze, MBE. Hey, Michaela, how are you? Hello, how are you, Matt? I'm great. Sorry to keep you waiting so long. It's just you're, you're the you're the, you're the instalment four of, of four episodes. So I just had to recap on that. But it's very exciting. What a way to end the month. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me. It's it's my 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 pleasure. Um, I'm interested. First of all, I mean, uh, Michaela Breeze MBE. Does that that still sound weird to you, or do you think? No, I always knew it was going to happen. It's about time. I deserve oh my it. Goodness me, no, no, you <laughs> never, you never expect something like that. That was truly humbled, I think, to be recognised for my services to the sport, 
Um, I feel like I have been in the sport an age. But there are people uh, who have also been in the sport for an age and who haven't been recognised. So um, I, I don't use the MBE. I think I sign it off on my email address. It's just part of the footer. But um, uh, unless there's something really important that I want to try and wangle, then then I might bring it out. But other than that, no, it stays it stays well put. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'll probably stop using it after about half an hour, but uh, yeah, I'm just um, I, I like repeating it really. It's, it's kind of cool. So um, I kind of mentioned, alluded to the career you've had over two um, decades. I don't want to make you sound too ill, too ill, too old. That's a Freudian slip because I'm feeling quite ill and old. But yeah, so um, but it's interesting. So I, I don't want to jump straight away into your injuries and focus on that straight away um, because it would just make it sound like it's all just been to 20 years of injury but you have experienced injury and you've fought back from injury in fact you're probably quite famous for that aren't you coming back from injury strong achieving is that how you see yourself or well, I think I think I've certainly had one or two injuries that have have been career threatening o- over the years and I've been very fortunate to be involved in the sport for a long time so uh, without doubt when you're pushing your body to the limit it's a very fine line between pushing just enough to get optimal results and and stepping over the line and and pushing too far and getting hurt. So yeah, I've certainly had one or two injuries I'm happy to talk about and share and, and, and also explain how I've come back stronger from them because for me, an injury, I try to look at as blessings in disguise rather than uh, a negative, which is the way most people see them. Um, And as far as I'm concerned, if I get injured, then it is what it is. You can't change it, but what you can do is make sure that you, you come back better, stronger, fitter for it. So that's the way I've tried to approach injuries. And don't get me wrong, it hasn't always been that plain sailing and, and psychologically it absolutely has been challenging. As I mean, as therapists, we've mentioned a few times in our 84 episodes or so, sometimes it's kind of cool as a therapist to actually get injured now and again if you happen to work with runners and you overdo it in running sometime. And because you get to realise what it's like to have that identity swept away from you you get to realize how you've got to treat these people and not just jump straight in with something Um, you get to know what it's like having to rehab yourself and how it looks great on paper but then stuff gets in the way and you don't want to do it so I guess it's similar to coaching is it do you see that being injured having been there and, and being affected by it helps you when you're coaching someone else maybe who's also injured or looking to avoid injury Absolutely. And for those people that follow me on on Instagram and social media, the posts that I put out are very much about coaching people for safety. Um, But luckily, I think the two go hand in hand. If you were moving biomechanically most efficiently, that also is conducive to safe lifting. So it's really good that that the two do go hand in hand. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no conflict there. It's not like you want to move this way, but if you do so, you risk injury. For me, it's if you move this way and activate the right muscles to do so, you're more likely to keep the injuries away. So definitely having the the background and the experience that I've had, uh, I think now helps me be more effective as a coach. And also when an athlete does get injured, because it does happen, uh, I have a much better understanding of how the body responds to injury uh, through my own knowledge of of soft tissue therapy but also having sustained the injuries myself so I, I think I feel like I'm in a stronger position than most coaches to be able to give that kind of advice excellent okay you mentioned that you might go into I think it might be interesting for people listening give them an idea of, of what your injury was what you suffered um and yeah how that felt for you and how you managed to come back out of it what you think the factors which helped that were well I wish I wish it was just injury but injuries more like so where do you want me to start top to bottom was it a, uh, was it a reoccurring was it a particular part of your body that was um, yeah so link or? The, the, the injury that that most people know about in terms of me as an athlete was the back injury I had 
Um, if you want to kind of know what happened, it, it flared up big time around the Beijing Olympics. Um, and I was, I was competing as an injured athlete. Um, it, for me, it was, it, it was my entire career on the line. And I ended up pushing through injury rather than pulling out because if I'd have pulled out, we would have had no female representation in, in the weightlifting. Um, long story short, bilateral pars defects, spondylolithesis, three compressed discs, pretty messed up lower back really, um, which, which caused me a little bit of pain. Um, recurring injury in that I first sustained it in 2000. Who knows? It could have been there from birth. We didn't have those, those images. I mean, it was actually missed on the first images that I had done. Picked up on later scans that it was bilateral. Um, I did a lot of rehab and I am, I believe I'm the luckiest athlete alive to have worked with a fantastic Joanne Elphinstone, who, unlike most people who wanted to operate, uh, put me under the knife. Joanne took me through a very tedious, very in-depth, very thorough uh, rehab program. And I, I suddenly learned to activate glutes and I understood what trans abs were and multifidus and all these muscles that sound like dinosaurs. And <laughs> We were able to, to kind of learn to, to reactivate muscles that previously were sleeping uh, so that I could move better, move safer uh, and be far more effective in, in what I did. So back injury was the big one. Um, I, I had a 90% evulsion of the reflective head of RecFem um, when, when catching a heavy clean. My knee flipped in and flipped out and off it went like a shotgun. Um, I've subluxed my right shoulder, um, snatching at a European Championships. And then you've got the obvious niggles. I mean, I've, I've had keyhole surgery on both knees, uh, a thickening of the, the synovial membrane, which was catching in the joint line. I had to have both knees uh, trimmed. Um other than that, it's the general wear and tear and uh, tendonitis. Oh, tendonitis of the knees. What what a pain. That's probably, that is actually probably one of the worst injuries because it just doesn't go away. Um, other than that, you know, muscle pulls, muscle strains, tweaks and little tears here and there and crack on and keep going. <laughs> and in between, then there's a few medals and a few good moments as well. I'm sure it was an all just injury. Um, that's good. I'm glad you listed them because hopefully people listening to the podcast will have had patients either coming in um, for end stage rehab for those, probably with a lot of the sports massage therapists level four and above who are allowed to work with injury. You're probably not seeing someone when it's recently happened. You might see someone who maybe months later have done something and they're still suffering and coming for advice and moving around different conditions, looking for an answer they're not getting maybe or a fix. So hopefully you are getting some of those and we'll be able to touch on on first of all maybe the causes of it and obviously this is this is weightlifting within crossfit so we'll move into crossfit at the moment but you, this wasn't sustained doing crossfit moves or anything it was sustained doing olympic lifts and weightlifting when you look back how much of the cause of this was actually technique huge amount a huge amount if if only i think everybody says this don't they with experience if only i knew then what i know now I'm pretty sure I could have kept most of those injuries at bay. Freak accidents like like the shoulder subluxing, that was me being stupid. I should have let go of the weight earlier, um, but it was a, a fight for a medal at a European Championships, and I and I held on to the weight too long. That was a freak accident. It it could have been avoided if I'd let go earlier. Things like popping reflective head of rep fem, that was a freak accident. But my back injury, um, we believe, was sustained due to technique. When I was young, I started the sport age 13 and I did no conditioning. I did no 
general strength, yeah, no general strength and conditioning to protect um, the, the, the joints. Uh, so if I did have a wobble underneath the bar, I really had no stability, no functional awareness of, of how to be safe. So I was fighting weights that were thro being thrown all over the place. And, and really, if you watch me and I cringe myself looking back, I was collapsing under the weights. There was no tension. There was no engagement to, to be safe. Uh, and years and years of twisting as I came up out of a, a clean or a snatch or a squat. Um, and that torsion put put a lot of uh, stre stress on my lower back. And over the years, it decided to go bang. Um, so, yeah, I put a lot of a lot of the the problems that I had down to how I was moving. Um, and I believe that if I'd have known how to activate glutes, if I'd been better conditioned, then I would probably have been far safer. And that's now the kind of knowledge that I'm passing on uh, in my more experienced years as a coach. Fantastic. And of course, we are going back again, kind of to pre-2000, before the explosion of kind of an ASM and Paul Check and the Gary Grays and all these kind of when integral training and functional training, all these things came into place. Um, I guess that knowledge just wasn't really around. Um, and you're only as good as the knowledge. And plus, it's kind of pre-internet to a certain extent, if it was pre-95. <laughs> so all you knew is what your coach was telling you. And all the coach knew really was what his mate who they used to meet up at the pub told them so it's like there wasn't that sharing of information was there across the world which there is now um it's crazy when you think about how things have changed now um and by the way i mean if you're not following um car on instagram then you should be not just for the great information but for the soundtracks to some of the videos i think it was salt and pepper on the latest one that i watched um which is great which is all part of it he just makes it infectious and makes you want to watch it it's actually a great looking looking at the business side as well for sports therapists um it's it's it shows you how to produce a good video short sharp to the point using um kind of a mixture of what this what what Mikhail is saying what appears on the screen and a soundtrack really excellent stuff Mikhail really good really infectious and that's what you guys should maybe set as a as a goal if you are advertising using social media which we'll look at in another month um the powers of advertising marketing using social media so okay so lack of knowledge meant that yeah you were putting yourself into situations which now thanks to what you know you can spread and help other people um with regards to technique so Obviously, we could talk about purely that for ages, but this is a CrossFit month. And I know you do a lot of work going into CrossFit gyms. How much more danger is there with weightlifting done under the CrossFit flag, do you think? That's, that's a very open, very general question. And um, I want to be a little bit careful how I answer this because uh, there's, there's this ongoing, for people that know me and follow me, there's this ongoing banter between me and CrossFit. And I, one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm going to say this straight up, is without CrossFit, our sport would be dead. It is as simple as that. Weightlifting was a dying sport, particularly in the UK. And it is thanks to CrossFit that our sport has been re rejuvenated and that we have so many. I couldn't even I've got no clue how many uh, people actively taking part in CrossFit um, and who are now exposed to a barbell and to the Olympic lifts that would never have otherwise had that involvement. When, when I started out in the sport, I was, I was a youngster, age 13, giving a given a random opportunity in a PE lesson, but I was one of a handful. Whereas now, particularly women are hugely involved in the sport. So CrossFit has, has seriously revamped our sport. Um, the way we train for the Olympic lifts is the same, but different. 
in that we should all be wanting and aspiring to move a barbell uh, as efficiently as possible um, so that we minimize the risk of injury, so that we do so conserving as much energy as possible and so on. Um, but I think it's fair to say that when you're looking at lifting in CrossFit, there are elements of it that are questionable in terms of safety and, and efficiency. And I am talking very generally here. So if you are a CrossFitter listening to this, please don't jump at me. Let me explain. I have seen it firsthand. I've been into gyms where the movements are, for want of a better word, diabolical, absolutely awful. But then on the flip side, I've been into some CrossFit gyms where it has been coached superbly well. Uh, attention to detail is fantastic. And the pressure to perform is at the appropriate time based on that individual's level of development. So I think with any profession, you've got good and bad. I think with any uh, coaching, you've got good and bad. With any therapy, there's good and bad practices. Um, and I think CrossFit demonstrates a good range of that from, from the good, the bad, the ugly, to the amazing and, and, and fantastic. So we've got a full spectrum and I've seen that spectrum over the years and I still see it now. I go into some gyms and people are moving really well and, and the attention to detail is great. Other gyms, not so much. So I think that it's very difficult to answer that question when I see such, such a big contrast when I, when I travel around and visit. Um, I have concerns. I have some concerns over the way things are done and, and I will be watching CrossFit games and cringing um, when I see some movements performed. Um, I'm not a big fan at the moment of the way things are refereed. When, you know, you call something a clean and jerk, but it would never be a clean and jerk in a weightlifting competition, then why call it a clean and jerk? <laughs> so, you know, when you talk about, um, I don't want to get the names wrong now. I know it's Isabel is one of the snatch workouts. Is it Grace, the clean and jerk um, workout where you do, I think it's 30 reps for time. But they call it clean and jerk, but it's not. It's bar, overhead, passing briefly by the shoulders. It's it's a variation of just getting a barbell overhead. Mm -hmm. It's not a clean and jerk as, a, as an Olympic weight, if they would know it. But then on the flip side, you might have a one rep max or a clean and jerk ladder where it is performed much better. But then again, I think there's a lot of rules within CrossFit that could be tightened up significantly. And, and I, I hope it goes that way because when, if, when CrossFit ever decide to tighten up the rules and make them weightlifting rules, then we can really compare the two and say, okay, is that person doing a snatch or a clean and jerk really well? Well, the rules will, will determine whether or not they're they're meeting all the criteria for it to be passed. And at the moment, I would look at CrossFit Games or I would look at CrossFit competitions and a significantly high proportion of lifts would not pass in a weightlifting competition. So, uh, yeah, they're doing the Olympic lifting moves uh, roughly. <laughs> I think that's a perfect answer. You have answered it wonderfully because we kind of got that message before from Sonia and Rob. Um, you can't generalize with the word crossfit it's one of the mistakes which i've done because i grew up when it was there wasn't i didn't see any signs of kind of scaling or progression or regression it was all very vomit in the basket in the bin kind of like it was all dr rab and stuff and it's like all these kind of it was very very kind of testosterone filled in every single kind of type of way um but it seems to have changed but this is interesting because it means that if somebody comes from crossfit and they come to you as a therapist and say oh yeah i'll go to crossfit you can't make any conclusions can you because it all depends on what box 
getting the lingo now depends what box they go to doesn't it you can't generalize and think oh that means they're all doing terribly technique because they could be going to a, a gym which is actually teaching them responsibly and appropriate scaling like you've mentioned and um yeah so you can't generalize it's a good answer um so i like the way you said i mean i mean so am i to take that because you've done commentating you've been um, commentating on the olympics and the freelance commentator with the bbc and stuff and You'd struggle then commentating for the CrossFit Games, would you? Absolutely. <laughs> I still want to see it. Couldn't do it, couldn't do it wouldn't do it. No, I, I just couldn't know because, I, yeah, no, I don't think anybody likes to watch CrossFit with me when I'm in, in the same room because I just look at it and go, no lift, and, and then it's passed. And it's like, well, that's that's not a snatch or that's not a clean and jerk. And, and you know, I've seen it on the flip side where the lifts are fantastic and then they're mm -hmm. failed. So, it's very different at the moment. And, and I would love to see CrossFit tighten up the rules, make them really sharp. And then there's an argument to bring something like CrossFit into an Olympic Games. Weightlifting at the moment is out on its backside. We are out of the, the we're in Paris and we're out of the next games. There's an opening here. There's an opportunity. If weightlifting can't sort themselves out as a governing body, there is a huge opportunity that's there for, for someone to take. So, um, but I do think there needs to be a tightening up of rules. And no, at the moment, I wouldn't commentate on CrossFit. Um, so, okay. So again, looking at our audience as soft tissue therapists and it's, and it's working with people who have come to them. And CrossFit is hugely popular now. And we've, we've seen from previous weeks that it is, again, it would depend on the, on the box or the gym, but it, they're trying to be very inclusive and they're welcoming people of all ages to come in because there is something magical. I think Sonia said last week, there's something, Maybe it was Rob, I can't remember, but somebody said it's a magical thing if you can get maybe a middle-aged person coming in without much history of exercise and then suddenly they're doing handstands. And also the play element, you know, it's kind of that we know through the studies that bringing some play back into exercise is the way which you're probably going to develop health and fitness because you get the consistency, the fun element of it. It's how we grow and get stronger as kids. So if... um somebody has come in from a well, but are there some staple things which you find that someone doing CrossFit could benefit from if they go back to the the kind of foundations of Olympic lifts and weightlifting, some things you think that should be concentrated on, which could help them out? Absolutely. And and the advice that I would give, and, and, and to anybody listening or watching this, is uh, if you go to my, uh, I've got my YouTube channel, there's a video on there. Uh, I think it's called the martial arts analogy. And I think it's also written as a blog on my website. So we'll, we'll pass out all the details of, of, of how to get to these links. Um, so the martial arts analogy, I try to explain how I think somebody new to the sport or somebody starting out in CrossFit should approach the Olympic lifts. And if you think of a, uh, a martial art, you, I mean, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo, so I think I'm qualified to talk about the, the grading system. Um, you go into your first few lessons and, and, and you eventually decide, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I want to do a bit more training. That's no different to somebody coming into a CrossFit box or into a weightlifting gym and saying, you know, I'm going to try this barbell thing out and, and see what happens. And, you know, a few sessions in, they, they think, yeah, I'm quite keen. I buy a pair of shoes or in martial arts, you'd buy a suit and you'd have a white belt. And that's where you start. And then you spend, you train for several months and then you go for a grading and you move up a step on the ladder and you get a different color belt and you train again for however many more months and you learn slightly different skills and you grade again. And every few months you take another grading. And it might take several years to achieve 
uh, black belt. And even then, you're not top of the ladder. You're, you're, you know, first degree black belt and you can train in the sport for your whole life. But if you think about weightlifting, say, within CrossFit, how many times do we see somebody go into a CrossFit session as a newbie? They're shown the basics and the following session, they're loading the bar and doing it against the clock. That, to me, is, is putting somebody from white belt to black belt overnight. And it is absolutely ludicrous and, and totally irresponsible uh, from, a, from the coaches. And, and I think knowing what I know now, it wouldn't surprise me if we're going to have a few uh, cases where coaches are sued when somebody gets badly injured because of how they've been, been coached. I mean, and I think people should. I think there needs to be that element of responsibility with coaching because uh, it's not right to, to load somebody on a barbell before they have at least understood and, and can move really well with it. So my advice is to spend weeks, to spend months getting to grips with the basics. Walk before you can run. And only when you are moving super, super well, consistently, confidently, with precision, every single rep without wobble or hiccup, do we even then consider putting a weight on the bar. And then increasing strength and, and building weights takes time. Why would you then suddenly throw that against the clock? Even scaling it, why would you say to somebody, do you know what, you're new to this, let's use a PVC pipe even. Why would you get somebody to use a PVC pipe against the clock and move and suddenly all that they've learned breaks down because they're now under the pressure from a time clock. Now, I've done a CrossFit work. I actually went head to head with Sam Briggs. Biggest mistake I've ever made. <laughs> Don't challenge Sam Briggs. We did four challenges. It finished two each and that, that was it. But one of them was um, Isabel. We went head to head um, doing, doing Isabel. And Sam didn't, she just kept going. She, she's a machine, an absolute, absolutely phenomenal machine. But where the technique broke down slightly, my technique didn't because I didn't know any different. I'd only ever moved uh, efficiently, powerfully. But I wasn't able to sustain the work rate that she was. She clearly has a far better engine than I ever would. Um, but technically, there was no comparison. But there's no reason why somebody in CrossFit can't lift well. So long as they've put the foundation work in, the groundwork, and they've got a few thousand reps underneath their belt and they're moving consistently, they know how to do a good squat snatch, a good squat clean, a good jerk before loading or going against the clock. I think that would be my advice is understand the martial arts analogy, understand that it takes time to achieve a certain level of competency um, and, and make sure you achieve that competency before you take it to the next level. I think that's a really nice analogy. Yeah, I mean, they're so powerful analogies if you get the right one. Even find one that, that your client, if the client's done martial arts, then that'll make them go ding. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So maybe if you have got somebody who has told you in the subjective that they do CrossFit, maybe you could ask them a few questions like, you know, how long was it? How much time did you spend on technique before you started going in the clock? Maybe that would give you some insight into the kind of place they're going to. And if they say, oh, no, within the second week I was going against the clock and they're chucking weights on that's maybe set some red lights and some alarm bells and things like that. And um, that's very interesting. Just to remind people who are in the room, um, you're welcome to ask questions. Uh, maybe you've treated some clients uh, who are from the CrossFit world. Maybe you do CrossFit yourself. Um, so do fire them away. Um, um, Tim, Grig, you always come in straight away. You say hi and then you come with some controversial kind of question trying to get. I love you, Tim. It's great. And you're straight away, you go, what do you think about Kelly Starlet? And it's kind of Starlet and Supple Leopard, Mobility, WD. 
I mean, the mobility thing is quite interesting. We were talking off air about mobility because you, I mean, that obviously forms a hugely important part with weightlifting, Olympic weights. And you're getting a bit involved in mobility, aren't you? And you're putting a course together based around that, are you? Or yeah, I think I think with anybody that puts courses together, for which I'm now involved in, um, mm. you look at what your market is struggling with, and you put something together that can help them. And and for me, that is uh, one of the big. Uh, things that people always come to me with daily daily i have i have numerous messages daily so and so i'm struggling with mobility i can't get into a squat position or i can't stick a bar overhead and hit a squat position and it's all for me it's it's, it's the same stuff i'm hearing over and over again um sometimes there's a reason why they can't do it it might just be hand positioning it might just be foot positioning and it's a really easy fix in which case happy days we can get them moving pretty well there might be some other reason why they're struggling. For example, they may have spent the last 50 years at a desk, hunched over and, and have trouble opening up the, the chest and, and they've lost the range of movement. So the re- what I'm, I'm planning to do is put together a, uh, a mobility, and I'm using the word mobility loosely here, um, especially after listening to Sonia's uh, podcast last week. Um, but I want to put something together that is simple, that people can easily understand and relate to and uh, a program, a course that's going to help them improve the way they move so that they can get into positions with a bit more ease and more importantly, do so uh, in a safe way. I mean, one of the one of the common uh, problems we have, I'm, I'm making an assumption here because this is what I see as a coach, um, but I'm guessing a lot of the therapists that might be tuning into this will treat CrossFitters who present with um, shoulder pain. And, oh, I get pain when I'm snatching. I get a pain when I put a bar overhead. Well, why are they getting pain? Um, as, a, as, as a coach, I would be saying, send me a video. Let me see how you're moving. Without making judgment, I don't know how they're moving. But I would be looking for them to take a video side on. And, and as a therapist, you want to be looking to see if those shoulders are rotating as they're going into a squat position. And if they are, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're forcing the, um, the head of the humerus into a vulnerable position. So something like shoulder pain, well, you want to be asking the questions, you know, where do you get shoulder, where, what movement, what aggravates it? Um, and then asking them to demonstrate or, or get a video of them doing whatever they were doing, because that will often give you the reasons why why they're in pain. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. No, not at all. No, this is fantastic for people listening who are in this world. It's great to hear. Yeah, because we're all used to what excites me about weightlifting and lifting heavy loads in particular and working up to heavy loads is I'm quite myself and my kind of the bubble I live in are quite we kind of love the idea there's no such thing as good posture You're the best posture is your next posture because traditionally people have been told if they want to be pain-free at work they need to sit up they need to have their hands at this angle their monitor needs to be this high and then they'll be fine they'll never get any pain at all and it's an old school thing which is still taught very much if someone walks in and they've got a big curve in their back that's the cause of the lower back pain and we forget all the people and the athletes who have got a natural bigger curve in their lower back and they're fine and they're lifting great what they're doing but when it comes to lifting heavy weight and the people who I follow and the shoulders of giants that are standing kind of thing, as soon as you put heavy load in there, then there is going to be an optimum way to support that weight, to deliver it. Because now you're lifting heavy weight. It's not just sitting up and holding your body weight, which your body's more than capable of doing, but you're shifting something heavy. So technique suddenly becomes paramount. So what are some of the, but then again, before I do that, is there variability 
between you've been amongst the best and the elite. In fact, you've been at the top and looked down at the others. But is there much variability when it comes to Olympic lifts and weightlifting in terms of the positioning slightly or, or the position? Is everyone lined up or do you get some variability with elite lifting? I think absolutely there's got to be variability because we're all different. Everybody that, that lifts a bar are different shapes and sizes. We have an ideal. I have an ideal from my coaching model um, of where I want lifters to be in. But sometimes as a coach, I'm challenged to work around something that somebody presents. So it might be that somebody turns up with, with ridiculously long um arms and legs but very short spine <laughs> it's like okay uh you're the wrong shape size for this how do, how do we make it work um and then on the flip side you you find somebody with, with with a nice long back and and relatively short limbs and you talent id them from a mile off and go you in the gym <laughs> so there are there are body types that are well suited to olympic lifting uh, there are body types that are not so well suited. So a long back is generally good. Um, short limb, short levers would be good. Uh, on the flip side, long levers and short back is not ideal. Uh, a tall lifter. I'm tall. I'm five foot. I used to be six foot before I started weightlifting. Um, <laughs> I'm five foot six. And I was competing around 58 kilo to 63 body weight category. Um, and I was way too tall for my category. Way too tall. The, those that I competed against would literally come up to my shoulder height. So I had so much further for the bar to travel. Mm. So there are absolutely individual differences that need to be taken into consideration. And I wouldn't say to somebody, you need this specific angle at the knee or this specific angle at the hip in a start position, because that depends on the length of your levers. And um, what I would be looking for is shoulder position in relation to bar. So from the side, I would be looking for that. So if somebody's got really long, um, let me get this right way around. If somebody's got really long legs, for example, I might need them to lift their bum a little bit higher in the start position so that the bar, so that the shoulders or the crease of the armpit lines directly above the bar. Um, somebody who's a lot shorter, they might have to sit back a little bit further to get that crease of armpit above the bar. So, yes, there are individual differences, but on the whole, the movement is, is fairly standard and, and there are uh, optimal ways of lifting. There are less optimal ways of lifting. No different to a car journey. If you want to go from, well, I'm in South Wales at the moment. If I want to go from here to London, I'm going to jump on the on the M4. Pretty straight road. Get there in the quickest time possible. Or I can take the heads of the Valleys Road, pop up to Birmingham and go all the other towns on the way. And, and it's going to take me much longer. I'm still going to get to my destination, but I'm going a long way about doing it. And it's the same with lifting. You can either take the direct route, learn how to move really well from the start, or you can mess around, maybe trying to teach yourself or work under coaches that maybe not so experienced or don't have that attention to detail. It's going to take a lot longer. Lovely. I love getting seasoned coaches in because the analogies just pour forth. Neil Jones, you'll be happy there, Neil. Another excellent example and analogies. Loving these. Keep them coming out. Um, yeah, really nice. The idea of the car journey. What are though? Because you, you like we say, we've got some fantastic Instagram um, videos out there showing. And just to put it up again, Alison Guerrero, I can't hold my ass, Guerrero. Um, yes, you should have absolutely amazing to follow Mikhailo on Instagram. There's some great videos. Thanks for the comment, Alison. What are some of? Let's talk about the go-to, or well, not necessarily always, but what are some of the typical mistakes that do cause injury with um, weightlifting? Okay, um, uh, let's, let's, let's go with a few. So shoulders. Um, often when snatching, I see people dropping chests. They try to get, let's say they go partway down into a squat position 
and they struggle to go any lower. So rather than continuing to bend or flex at the hip and the knee to gain, gain the extra depth, they tip forward. And as they tip forwards, the shoulders then become vulnerable to, to injury, predisposed to, to injury. So that's a very common one with shoulders. Backs. Oh, my goodness me. Backs. Um, well, I guess uh, with my back injury, uh, I've learned the hard way. And I've, I now have a far better understanding of the structure of the spine and the importance of maintaining neutral positions. Um, so when you ask somebody, for example, to go into a start position, um, and this as a therapist, if somebody's presenting with a lower back injury, I would recommend giving them a, a golf club or giving them a broomstick and saying, show me a start position and take a look at the position and, and, and ask yourself, is that a neutral back position or is it a hyperextended lower back position? That is commonly what we see. Now, you will see this in elite sport as well. You will see this in elite weightlifters at the highest levels. You'll see world champions have a stupidly hyperextended lower back and it seriously risks injury. Now, let's stick with the lower back for a moment. A lifter who has zero glute activation or no awareness of what their butt is doing <laughs> or is not using the glutes effectively, if you think about a movement, we're driving from the floor from a fairly deep bend of flexing at the knee and at the hip, and we want to get extension at the knee and the hip. Well, the, I'm going to keep this simple here. The, the quadriceps extend the, 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 the knee and the glutes extend the hip. But you see a lot of lifters lifting, and I'm going to go as far as saying probably 80% of lifters. Yeah, I'm going to put my neck on the line there and say about, about a good 80% of lifters, probably higher in uh, non-elite lifters. They just don't use their glutes. And I can say this quite confidently because I was one of them. And that's one of the contributing factors to my back injury. So basically what I'm trying to say here is if you contract quads and glutes simultaneously and powerfully, you will get a nice, powerful neutral extension where you finish in a safe position, zero hyperextension at the lower back. You have a lifter that's quad dominant and doesn't activate glutes. They will end up levering and leaning backwards at the top of a lift uh, to, to get to try in their attempt to generate more height on the bar. They're the lifters that generally shrug and pull. And for those of you that follow me, I have a hashtag, which is called it's, it's not a fecking pull. That's the name of my book as well. Um, because I'm going very much against the grain. The lifts have always been called a first pull and a second pull. But I think actually it's, I look at it more as a positive leg drive. And if you can get quads and glutes firing together, you're going to get a neutral lower back. No, no glutes almost certainly results in a hyperextension of lower back. Mm -hmm. Sticking again with lower back, you look at a jerk position. Now, if somebody's standing with a, a bar on their shoulders, just with their natural posture, there will be a natural um, lumbar curve. But if you imagine that lumbar curve, which is now loaded, and the analogy, here comes another one, the analogy I use here when I'm talking to, to uh, those with no anatomical knowledge, imagine a biscuit and a marshmallow. So you've got biscuit, marshmallow, biscuit, marshmallow, biscuit, marshmallow, one on top of the other. There's your vertebrae. There's your, there's your vertebral column. And if you compress that vertebral column, if you compress those biscuits and marshmallows evenly, you're going to get a nice little squish through everything. And everything's going to squish out a, a little bit, but you're not going to collapse the, 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 the pile. If then you could put pressure on the top on one side, you're going to get those marshmallows sticking out the other side. 
And that's basically what you're doing with a natural arch in a lumbar spine. So if you take that natural arch, which is naturally there, and you then load it with a heavy weight, I don't need, it's not rocket science as to what pressure the back is going to be under. So again, having an awareness of what is uh, a safe position, what is a neutral position is very, very important as a lifter. And unfortunately, very few coaches, very few lifters have that awareness. And I spend a lot of time coaching that when I deliver seminars, um, be them online or in person. I'm, I'm, I'm working with people virtually or in person. So I spend a lot of time teaching people how to gain that neutral sp spine um, and to train it so that they're safer when they're lifting. Um, so we've talked a bit about shoulders, knees. There's a few things to look out for. Um, wrists. Oh, my goodness me. Wrists are a common problem. You'd be surprised how many people don't know how to wear a wrist support. The wrist is a vulnerable joint, a very small joint, a very vulnerable joint, and yet it has to take a significant load. So just to protect the wrist, I would encourage people that suffer with wrist pain to wear a support just to provide that bit of extra stability. But you watch how most people wear their wrist support and they'll be wearing them halfway up their forearm rather than over the wrist joint. So it's actually not doing much. It's a bit like, here's another analogy. It's a bit like a knee sleeve. You don't wear it above the knee. You don't wear it below the knee. You wear it over the knee. So uh, knees, knees are just going to be uh, repetitive strain injuries, typically. I hope so you say, if, you, if you're, I'm just thinking as you're saying this, if you're doing this, and we're not picking on CrossFit, we're just kind of going through the mechanics of it. If you haven't mastered these positions and, and to the point of wearing wrist protections and straps properly, if you start doing this against the clock and rushing these things and having that external stimulus, then that's, going to lead to double trouble isn't it you're going to be 100 percent, and 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 commonly one problem i see uh, i'm going to say crossfit because they're encouraged often to maintain a hook grip when cleaning so if somebody presents to you with uh, elbow wrist maybe shoulder injury and they tell you that it's aggravated when doing a clean watch them doing a clean do they maintain a hook grip? A hook grip for those of you that don't know is uh, trapping the thumb between the bar and your fingers um, and with hook grip, if you maintain that position with the thumb locked, then it's quicker to get the bar down and go again. Whereas a weightlifter would release the hook grip when the bar's on the shoulders, therefore allowing the hand to open and allowing the elbows to raise, protecting the wrist because the bar's now on the shoulders. But a lifter that doesn't release hook grip may, quite commonly, struggle to get the elbows up because the thumbs are locked in. I'm not saying all, all people do that. I, I see some crossfitters uh, who have amazing mobility and, and are great into position with hook grip. I can't do it. My, my wrists would blow up if I tried it. And I see a lot of people who are in a similar position to myself that just cannot maintain that position. Okay, very interesting. There's loads of loads of tips there. And, and again, if you listen to the podcast, people in the room have gone very quiet. I think they're all taking notes. Or, But if you listen to the podcast and you are working with CrossFitters or maybe you do CrossFit yourself, then remember, I'm still very keen to hear feedback from you guys. Um, you can email matt at um, the sta.co.uk. You can come and find us on YouTube where the original recording will be or on the Facebook page and ask questions in the comments there. Um, I frequently am... If, if it's necessary, I'm sending questions on to our speakers and saying, oh, I've had an interesting, interesting question this day from so-and-so. So if you listen to the podcast and this is generating ideas and questions, and you're not here with us live, then feel free to um, either find the source of the recording or email me, matt, at the sta.co.uk. 
Um, wonderful. Yeah, some great tips there. I'm interested in, I'm conscious of the time. One of the questions I've had very much to do with strength training, because I do champion strength training quite a lot. I'm very much into the kind of loading principles of helping someone recover and be able to get back to their sport and that sort of stuff. Obviously, you've got a you've got a history with Ellie Pryor um, in the sense that you were coaching from what age? From as young as? Uh, 11. 11, 11 years old. So younger than when you started. There is how much of a misconception is it because again I grew up years in the years when it was like oh younger children or teenagers even shouldn't do weightlifting because it'll stunt your growth and all that sort of stuff how much does that change now was Ellie kind of special or does it depend on the child there's other factors like coordination or well let's just address that. let's just address that for a, for, for a second hmm. does weightlifting stunt your growth does that mean then that basketball makes you tall I like that. Very or good. is it that taller people are better suited to basketball and shorter people are better suited to weightlifting, which is why you see shorter people lifting weights? Mm-hmm. So just pause for, for a moment and, and reflect on that. Um, but then on the flip side, absolutely, you need to be careful when coaching youngsters. Um, Ellie didn't start off as an 11-year-old that was suddenly lifting heavy. It didn't work like that. She started with a broomstick and, and she will tell you herself um, that she spent months, months and months and months on an empty bar, and I'm talking a, a five kilo technique bar, learning the movements. Let's pause for a second if you listen to the podcast. I haven't got anything in mind. There we go. Oh, no, we've lost, um, unfortunately, we've lost momentarily uh, Michaela. I'm sure um, she'll be back when she clicks on the link. Um, those of you who aren't aware, just to fill you in, whilst um, Michaela is reconnecting, Ellie Pryor was Britain's first ever youth Olympian um, in Olympic weightlifting. Um, check it out on YouTube. Something um, else. Oh, there is Michaela. So, yeah, plenty of videos there. But, yeah, um, let me just bring Michaela back up. But, yeah, so coached by Michaela from the age of 11. So that's why I'm bringing up. Sorry, you just appeared there for a moment. I don't know what that was. Grimness. I live on a mountain. I can only apologize. <laughs> we used to, yeah, we've got a colleague called Mike James who's in Wales as well, and it frequently happens. We know you guys are slightly, <laughs> slightly, yeah. But you're not from Wales originally, are you? Watford, aren't you? Or uh, born, born and bred in Watford, lived there for nine <laughs> yeah. years, Cornwall for nine years, and moved to Wales in 2000. And, oh, uh, so I've been here, and this is where I'm staying. Love it. Oh, there we go. Very nice. So, yeah, just yeah, weightlifting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Ellie was, I was saying, Ellie was... Yeah. Um, she spent months and months on, a, on an empty bar and, and we drilled and drilled and drilled until the positions were pretty near spot on. Um, is she perfect right now? There's a few things that we can work on. And, and she has a habit at the moment of, of throwing shoulders back a little bit. She's not quite getting the glute activation that we need at the top to maintain a perfectly neutral spine. And the whipping of the shoulders back is kicking the bar forward. So there are things we're always working on. And that's the same with, with any weightlifter. But but I think if you're coaching youngsters or you're, you're dealing with youngsters, I think it's very important to moderate the loading. <clears throat> youngsters will respond differently to adults. You, for example, they're going to get as much gain lifting 70% intensity compared to an adult at 80% plus. I think it's important to drill them with, with volume um, and, and to make it fun, to, ha- to have a whole load of fun, do a whole load, load of body weight of, uh, and, and body awareness activities as well. So you build up a rounded athlete. Um, but yeah, Ellie's a very talented young girl um, who's now stepping into the senior ranks. So quite simply needs to step up her lifting. Very exciting. Yeah. And while you were off, I just told a little backstory a little bit, um, but definitely worth checking out um, for inspiration and even to show the clients sometimes. We, as therapists, we get a lot of 
younger athletes coming in with problems particularly teenagers with lack of coordination or growth spurts and kind of instability and and often there is the idea of they shouldn't be doing weights um, or maybe it's an athlete particularly female athletes i'm sure kind of you're aware of this who are scared that if they do weights they're going to get big and bulky and maybe that's going to be particularly with runners i mean you're living you're living proof that that's not the case um but you're trying to get big and <laughs> i wish you think <laughs> But yeah, so it's you're quite a champion, are you, of encouraging um, athletes, female and male, to get involved in weightlifting from a young age because it could help their sport. If, if regardless of what sport you take part in, there is almost certainly going to be a benefit of uh, free weights crossing over and, and having a positive transfer to to the other sports. Um, and I think it comes down to, again, how youngsters are taught. If youngsters are taught rough technique and are pushed too soon, then, of course, we're going to be risk risking injury unnecessarily. Uh, the way I like to, to teach is with a very, very light bar, a broomstick if needed. And we get the movements, um, we get the lift of the youngsters moving really, really well with, with the lightest weight possible. We get them having fun, um, lots of variation in the exercises that they're doing. Um, and only in line with their physical maturation and development would we start to push. Fantastic, yeah. Um, good, good to hear it. Um, we are getting close to the hour. It's five to nine now. Um, those of you who listen to podcasts, we go for an hour. We don't like to keep the guests for longer than that. Um, especially if they've got twins twins basil twins so yeah kids talking with kids um you got twins has that changed i'm wondering it's when i had kids i suddenly realized how little consideration i'd given to runners i worked with runners runners who had kids or triathletes um, now i understand um how it can affect you in so many ways a double-edged sword where you're die for them at any moment and kill them the other side of the moment but I mean has that that's obviously changed your life in many many ways but when you're working now with athletes who maybe have got children recreational or elites does that give you kind of a new insight now into what they could be going through or did you were you always aware of that? absolutely it's 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 the hardest thing ever it, anybody who says parenting is easy well maybe they don't have twins um <laughs> So, so, yeah, I mean, we, we live very remotely. We don't have family nearby. The boys were born three days before lockdown. So it's been a pretty oh, challenging man. 22 months thus far. Um, but the most rewarding and, and amazing experience. Um, I genuinely don't know how parents of young children can get that balance. It As an athlete, I was selfish. I was so selfish. I was so narrow-minded. Um, I didn't care much for anybody else. I was all about me and about making sure that I had good sleep, that I had good food. Um, and we joked when the boys were coming along that I was like, I'm not sharing my food. I'm not sharing with anyone. You know? <laughs> and suddenly now, you know, we have salmon for dinner and they finish theirs and they, they're they signing for more. And it's like, I, I've got to give up some of my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think on a serious note, anybody who is training um, and balancing that with a family um credit to you it is tough going um but i also understand how training can be a release it can be an outlet and it's wonderful when i go running now and the only reason i, I hate running but i go running up on the mountain because it gives me half an hour or an hour out of the house um, and sometimes that the headspace that exercise can create is is wonderful when you've got family 
Have you tried buggy, buggy, running with buggies with two yeah, in a buggy? Yeah, buggy. <laughs> Pretty good, isn't it? Double talk about two birds with one stone. They go to sleep, you get your exercise, um, and your partner has a rest at home. So, I mean, that was brilliant for me. I loved it when my kids, mine are six and four, but um, <laughs> it's wonderful if you can get exercise with the kids, everyone gets a rest. It's lovely, but anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's something we've talked about in the past when someone's injured and they're recovering from pain and it's being delayed and we're focusing solely on some structural issue and saying, well, this is it's because you're moving this way and we're forgetting the fact that they're only sleeping four hours a night. And we ignore that because we're too focused on the structure and we don't stop and say, you know, how to sleep or, you know, how stressed are you? And often the solution and the speed to their recovery would be just having that chat with them and opening the door to the discussion of if you want to get over this, whatever you've got, you need to have that conversation with your partner or maybe someone else who can support you because you're not going to get better whilst your body is just tense. Your body, your body can't recover whilst this is going on with these kind of external factors. So yeah, I appreciate that much more. And I think I've got much more into giving out that kind of advice. Now I know what it's like to have two little beautiful boys. Talking of um, boys and twins, um, Gary Benson, founder of the Sports Therapy Association, always chimes out on the subject of twins. And Gary says, thank you for gracing the SDA podcast with your immense knowledge and great advice. Vice Michaela. Um, good luck with the twins. My boys are now 23 and have two older brothers and a younger sister. Um, good luck for your future and please get in touch if we can support you in your continued journey. Um, and they're all like over six foot, massive family. No one's going to ever miss with the Bensons. Fantastic stuff. Um, and Alison has come back as well as Alison Guerrero has said, um, Michaela, please do more live sessions with Ellie. There we go. Yeah, we've started doing that. It looks like it could be a regular thing. The only problem is it means I've got to put my lifting kit on again and I'm a bit out of shape with it, but I'm trying to keep Ellie company as well. Fantastic. Um, in terms of people, um, oh, top, oh, here we go. Neil's come back. Neil Jones says, top of my favourite discussion so far. Brilliant delivery message right on point. Do you know, Neil? Nope. <laughs> thanks, Neil. <laughs> very nice, Neil. Thank you very much. Uh, get in touch with um, yeah the PA, and that's good. No, thanks, Neil. Thanks for leaving your comments. Um, what was I going to say before it goes away? Yes, soft tissue therapist audience here. Um, courses you're putting something together which could be right up their street, as they say, aren't you? And yes, there's a few things, few things that I'd like to share, and and hopefully we can get some some links out. I've got a, a course that I launched back in may last year it's just about to be relaunched it's called called um weightlifting techers sos basically for anybody who wants to improve their technical knowledge of olympic lifting whether it be a coach whether it be a lifter whether it be a crossfitter whether it be somebody like yourselves um in the therapy industry who wants to better understand the moves then i've put over 12 hours of video content together in course format if you are interested in that um follow me on instagram um drop me a message and i can i can send you links and what have you but that will be we're going to start promoting that very very soon um something that we were discussing matt before we came live is uh possibly putting on a seminar a virtual seminar for uh for therapists so for soft tissue therapists who want to learn a little bit more, who want to challenge me, and we have a live interactive uh, seminar where I go through the technicalities of the lifts. We go through where athletes are predisposed to injury and, and so forth. Then that is something that I'm absolutely um, excited to put on. Um, reach out if you're keen. So how do we gather that information about who's keen? Drop me a message on Instagram um, and just say, hey, I'm interested in in a, a therapy for weight, a weightlifting therapy kind of uh, seminar. Um, you can 
check out my website. You can email me there as well. My website is powerposition.co.uk. So we'll get all that information out to the listeners um, so you can get in touch. Definitely. Um, if you're a member of the STA, then um, as always, these links and, and um, information will be put into newsletters and you can always check out the show notes. We'll have links and we'll have somewhere where you can uh, sign up if you want information to be delivered as and when it comes out of powerposition.co.uk and, and Mikhail. But definitely follow Mikhail on Instagram. Really, it'll, it'll, it'll satisfy you in so many ways in terms of information. Like I say, marketing, it's just really nice, really good information and really uh, cool stuff. Um, Gary's uh, chimed in here. Let's have a look. Gary says, Matt, can you put me in touch? I'll fund some. Oh, Gary, old can't keep his hands out of his pockets. So Gary's jumped in here. Matt, can you put me in touch? I'll fund some members to participate. Um, of course, Gary. Definitely. We will pass on details and words will um, be exchanged. Definitely. So it sounds like already Gary's um, buying places on courses and things. Perfect. Well, we'll get, we'll get a date together and, and promote that with, with you guys and let you know when we're going to do it. Right, Michael, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour. Thank you so much to have some of your experience and calibre here. And also just it's lovely. I joke about the analogies, but it's beautiful coaching. Um, and the gap between therapist and coach is is blending so much in a sometimes a, often a good way, but sometimes you've got to know your boundaries. But we are coaches when we're helping someone in pain. We need to use that communication. We need to have the two ears open and realize we've got two of them and one of that. So there's so many parallels. So it's lovely to hear someone who's a professional coach and the way you talk and explain things. Um, twins haven't woken up. Were you worried about that? No idea. My phone's on silent. I'm really hoping not. <laughs> That was good as well. I was worried about that particularly. So thank you so much. And um, we'll stay in touch. Like I say, people, um, I'm going to say goodbye to people here. But Michaela, don't kind of click anything. I'll say goodbye to you once we stop going live. But yeah, people who joined us. Thanks very much for the questions. People who joined us live, Neil and Alison. I don't think we've met before. So thanks for tuning in. Always a pleasure, Gary. Um, also, Tim, great to see you as well. We didn't get that question about what do you think is Kelly Starr. I've avoided that. I know we did talk about it with, with Sonia, maybe. But um, we can answer that off air if you like. I've got nothing against Kelly, by the way. It was just Kelly of two, that 2020 has changed so much. And he's a good example of, of how he evolves. One of the voices from when he was going on a skateboard in California down Venice Beach. He's changed what he's saying. He's talking about the stuff we're talking about now. But everyone gets fixated with what he was saying in 2000, 2003 or something, you know, and they forget it's too late. He said that and changed his mind. But all the videos are out there. So, Tim, uh, we can talk off, off air if you like on that. Or I'll send you some useful updated stuff about Kelly, who's really he's a great professional. He's brilliant, very magnetic. And some of the stuff in the old days where they're beating each other with lead piping to try and break down stuff. It's kind of changed. They've moved on. They're not 20 years old anymore. Fresh out of the army. So um, it's a good question. Nothing personally for not directing that question, Tim. Don't get annoyed with me. Catherine, love to see you. Fiona, love to see you. And everyone else who joined us live. Um, if you do want to, if you listen to this, which I'll put in a couple of days time, you want to join us live, then it's Tuesday at eight o'clock every day. We've done it without fail for the last 85 weeks. So why would we stop now? You're welcome to join us. And if not, um, then thank you for listening to the podcast and don't forget to click like, um, subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening there. And um, that's it. Thank you, Michaela, once again, for your participation and giving thank up you. your time. And uh, hopefully people, well, next month, February is going to be all about women's health. Okay. We've had some interesting guests and fascinating discussions about pelvic health, about endometriosis, about hypermobility. Um, and we're going to devote a month to women's health. 
Um, that doesn't mean it's not like women's hour on where all the guys just switch off and 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 kind of like sneak a listen and open that cosmopolitan when I was looking. Guys, it means you should be listening even more because as far as I know, you get female clients in and you might know less than you should be knowing if you're having women visiting you who are in pain. So February's going to be all about that. Um, and it's going to be a great month. We're going to kick off with um, um, people from the STA. We're going to have some exciting news next week um, from Fiona, Dr. Fiona Higgs, um, who is going to uh, team up with uh, Deborah Thurlow-Roley, um, who was at uh, Therapy Expo with the endometriosis, which went down very well, the presentation there. So, yeah, uh, both of them are going to be my guests next week to announce something very exciting happening on the STA. Uh, but yeah, February for women's health. So stick that in your diary if you're interested. We've got some fantastic guests. Emma Brockwell is coming back as well. Um, a wonderful speaker and educator and author. So yeah, it's going to be a great month. But that's it. CrossFit's finished in theory, but keep those questions coming. Use this um, for questions. Come back and keep the thread going. Right, that's it. Thanks, people. Um, hopefully see some of you live next Tuesday. Look after each other. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.